Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. And we're back. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the One Royal Way podcast right here on Kansas City Sports Network, brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning, the premier, preferred, pivotal, everything baseball development resource. If you have a youth in the area or anyone who's looking to uh, get a leg up on the competition, go ahead and check them out. Jordan Foote here, joined by my dear pals. Um, I stole that from Ken Swanson. I've been listening to the KC Lab a little bit uh, too much. Josh Kaiser, Joel Penfield. Um, we'll start with Joel, man, because you were not the one popping champagne on the previous podcast, but you were the one smoking a cigar on Sunday night. Vibes are immaculate right now. Well, what a time in this city. Uh, we, we watched the coronation of a dynasty last night, and that was... That was incredible. And much like McCole Hardman, I blacked out when he caught that ball too. <laughs> I I I was I I did not sit down. I was pacing around my living room from sixteen sixteen, and when he caught the ball, I just the last thing I remember was jumping up and down uncontrollably for five to ten seconds. My wife looking at me like I was an insane person, and somehow I didn't wake up my sleeping children. So all was good. That's a dub, Josh. You know you are a, uh, a doing a good job as a dad. You're able to like silently and passionately celebrate without waking up a child that uh, you desperately don't want to wake up. I was also that guy. Uh, I wasn't silent. I I was audibly <laughs> screaming. I lost my ever having right. shit. I have no shame. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I I then then uh, then I am the one who has to pump fist and tear arms out of their sockets needing you know shoulder reconstruction surgery because i'm just repeatedly fist pumping just getting my angst out somehow uh but uh it was a a doozy of a game and uh i think i'm finally recovered after about uh 24 hours (laughs) before we jump into the the kansas city rolls are doing stuff they locked up bobby lee jr we talked about that on the last podcast they also have some interesting and fun stuff coming up. Um, Joel, I have to ask you, he wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong. He was a lot better than I thought he would be. Are you like neutral on Brock Purdy now, or do you still think he sucks? I, I think I've always been fairly neutral. I think he's fine. Like, he's a fine quarterback. He, he's fine. I But I think he's like every other Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Like He is elevated by the system, and, he is go- and Shanahan is going to take him to his absolute ceiling, which is lower than most quarterbacks. And he's going to fall somewhere in the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Adam Alex Smith. No, Alex, yeah, Alex Smith, no. upper end, like Jared Goff type. Like, like good, be, but yeah, not the guy. Not the guy. And also, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what he does next year. If he if he does this again next year, he's going to get a nine-figure deal, uh, which then kind of throws the Niners for a loop because he's so cheap that it, they can just continue to stack the roster, so. I don't know. It'll be really interesting. I do think it'll be a little more interesting if Kirk Cousins didn't blow out his Achilles, what Shanahan might do. Well, and the thing with Purdy, and I I know this is a baseball podcast, but like the 430 mark, we will get to baseball. Um, The thing with him is like, he's such an anti, 
that type of quarterback, like he makes these crazy throws, he can extend plays, but like he's also way too aggressive at times and ballsy and doesn't pick up blitzes very well. Like can't handle blitzes. He's just there for the vibes. Yeah. So, um, Josh, do you have any final (laughs) Super Bowl or Brock Purdy analysis? Uh, prior, I was just scrolling through Twitter earlier and there was a, I came across a tweet that was talking about the percentage of cover zeros and cover ones that were ran against the 49ers this year. And man coverage. In man coverage. Mm -hmm. 60% of the time the Chiefs were in 49ers dropbacks, they were either in cover zero or cover one. And they perfectly captured that tweet was just the absolute spags disrespectfulness of that, uh, of that game plan. And it worked. I mean, it seemed like they weren't dialing up early, but when they did, it was third down, and it worked almost every time. So that's exactly what you wanted to see, and it was uh, it was a beautiful sight to see. Can I get one more take off real quick? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the PFF grades will will show us a lot more the the almighty PFF. I'm sure those run block grades are going to be spectacular, man. That t- t- tight end one George Kittle two catches four yards. W- what a performance from the guy! I'm sure he set the edge for McCaffrey multiple times. I'm sure it was spectacular. <laughs> I was 22 seconds off on my estimate, by the way, for um, baseball talk. So you might be listening to this on Tuesday morning. You might be listening to it on Tuesday afternoon. Could be Wednesday. The Royals are announcing their new ballpark site plans on Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. So depending on when you're tuning in, might have already happened, might still be around the corner. Um, they sent out a little release that said they're going to include renderings, economic data, uh, progress towards a lease and community benefits agreement. So lots of stuff happening. Um, obviously, Jackson County voted to extend the, what, $0.38 cent sales tax. Does that sound right? For for four years for the Chiefs and Royals, all that good stuff. Um, Sam McDowell of the Kansas City Star dropped a, I don't want to say bombshell, but like a pretty sizable report multiple sources, all that good stuff. It is going to be in the Crossroads District, and it's going to involve the old Kansas City Star Press Pavilion at 16th and McGee, um, down along downtown South Loop. This is going to be a direct quote from McDowell. The connection to the two districts would be fostered by ongoing plans for a new $200 million park over I-670. East Village was the other option for um, the downtown stadium, and McDowell sources said the Chiefs will reveal their plans to renovate later this month. So we've got some actual concrete news. And again, depending on when you're tuning in, might already have even more. We can't display renderings, obviously, through an audio podcast, but plenty of things happening. The Royals are going to be moving. We thought it was going to happen. Every month has seemed to kind of get us closer and closer. Joel, you seem to have had more... um, strong feelings maybe about it and kind of the the confidence that it was going to happen kind of what do you think about this new uh, proposal on their plan i'm just glad we have concrete things to show before obviously before the vote they were going they were going to have some sort of announcement before the vote on april 2nd but just now that we're going to have renderings an economic plan how they're going to go about this uh it, it just gives a little more credence to what they're going to try and do and i'm interested to see how that all shapes up tomorrow. I also want to shout out Sam McDowell real quick because he does two weeks, so so well he, he does awesome work covering the Chiefs and the Royals and some sporting KC too. Like he's all over the place. Yeah. But for two to grind through two weeks of Super Bowl, get to the Super Bowl yesterday, and then to drop this today or this evening, uh, that's a hell of a job. So, you know, my hat, you know, hat tip to that guy. 
I, I'm just interested to see how it's all going to work out. We we still we have a rough idea of what everything's going to look like, but obviously we haven't seen the renderings, we haven't seen any of the numbers, so that'll give us a good indication of, of how things are going to go. I'll let Josh talk more about what he wants to see from the renderings because I know how hot and bothered that makes that guy's. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want all the renderings. Just give me, feed me the renderings directly into my vein. Uh, no, the... the, the it's interesting you guys keep, you, both of you both said concrete, and it just seems like the pun is... It's intended. right there, and it wasn't... Yeah. Not intentional. Yeah, not intentional <laughs> whatsoever. No biggie. Hopefully these concretes don't have cancer. Uh, what I've kind of taken away from this whole process, that has been muddy and messy and just, just annoying. I hope that it's over. I hope we can kind of move forward to whatever the next step is. If I'm being honest with myself... It makes this that that location makes the most sense as far as like putting a stadium downtown. It's got this, the, you know, the skyline behind it. it it's kind of what you're looking for in a downtown stadium. My big concern comes from that ballpark village because I kind of the, the moment I jumped on boards when they started talking about the money that they're going to put into this downtown ballpark district, and that will be a year round money generator that is going to then be put back into the team. If we're that close to power and light, which I, I don't go to power and light because I hate it down there, but every time I've gone, it's either been just like wall-to-wall crazy, which is why I don't go, or there's nobody there, and it's not year-round. It's very seasonal revenue. And then so, you have Rumors yeah. Alley down the other side yes, yep, with, yep, with a ton yep. of other bars and restaurants and stuff in that area, Crossroads. Which will be cool. I mean, that would be a cool mm-hmm. effort. But I just doubt the, the I guess, the validity and the potential of a year-round revenue-generating thing that's that close to power and light. So I just feel like it's going to be cool for that area. I don't, I don't you know, disagree with that potentially being a big effect in that area. I have big doubts about what this stadium ballpark village is going to be, how it's going to generate this revenue that you're going to put back in the team. And you're just not getting that get gets pushed aside and not really done. And then where's the taxpayer money going at that point? That those are my main main concerns. Those are what I'm basically going to be looking out for tomorrow to be able to you know back back this vote and and really understand where I lay on it at the end. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And guys, we were thinking about doing like a, a mini standalone live reaction to all this, but then obviously Sam just revealed so much valuable information about it. Um, we encourage you to not listen to necessarily our opinions. Don't don't take anyone else's word for it. Go check out the the presentation. Watch the. I'm sure it's going to be streaming somewhere or did stream somewhere. Um, there's going to be. We tried in the green room to get Josh to leak the renderings to us, and it wouldn't happen. So, um, thanks a lot, Josh, for that, you nerd. Um, you to, it, I can I can draw it on a pencil and paper real quick. It's just that, gonna be a circle, yeah. and it, yes. then another little circle, and then there's the sprint or the T-Mobile Center. Here's Power yeah. and Light, and it's gonna be on here. There it is. There's your work rendering. on that over the next uh, forty-five minutes or so. No, no specific uh, endpoint. Give there, me a but... charge code, and boy, you better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun and people were resisting it. I, I get it. Um, the East village option did kind of intrigue me admittedly at first. I was like, okay, well, you know that, that sounds feasible, but I think at the end of the day, if they don't tear up a bunch of stuff and I've seen like the instant reaction on Twitter, it's like, Oh, keep this, keep that. I'm worried about losing this. Like you can't, it's not like when you're playing a video game 
and you can literally just like I forget what it was called. It's not The Sims. It was like a building version of that, and it was something city or something metropolis. Side Sim terrible. City. I mean, something Sim like city that. Was, yeah, that yeah. was like the original. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like a mashup of that and then Thrillville, where you're building the little amusement parks and shit, and you would just drop stuff. <laughs> Be like, okay, here's my building. I'm just going to put it right there. That's not how this stuff works in real life, um, usually. So it's going to be pricey. It's going to be um, a long process, but it was something that we were seemingly headed for and uh, a pretty good kind of development, uh, I think. I don't really have too much to add on to that. Yeah, it's a step uh, step towards being done with this. Yeah, I think that's the, that's what I'm <laughs> looking for. Just being being done with this and just seeing it through one way or the other. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, we're gonna hit one more thing before our break here. The Royals are um, they released their schedule for spring training on I believe it was Monday morning, and we kind of knew some of these dates already in advance. But good to just get a full list of everything that's going on. Pitchers and catchers report on Tuesday. The first uh, workout for them is Wednesday, the 14th. Full squad workout on Monday. They will show up, obviously, on Sunday night, afternoon, morning, whenever that's going to be. Um, the Royals, is a, it, it's coming back. Spring training is going to be back. The schedule starts on Friday, the 23rd of February against Texas. They play um, White Sox and the Guardians, I believe. It's five combined games with AL Central teams this spring 31 games in a month. So they're going to be going after heavy, I believe, three split squad games. Um, Yeah, pulled that up here, 27th against Colorado and San Diego, the 15th of March against Cleveland and Cincinnati, and then the 21st of March against Chicago and Cleveland. Guys, it's here, and we waited quite a while. It was a a bumpy, really ironically compared to previous Royals offseasons, I guess the opposite of Bumpy for some, but um, a long ride that is almost ready to take off again for another year. It's it's really exciting, and I think there's reason to be excited. Like this, they they spent legitimate money on free agents to help bolster the roster, and not just like little half measure free agents of we're going to bring this guy in a one year deal because he's really good. He's a really good leader, and not like he's a good baseball player. Like, they brought in legitimately good baseball players to this roster to add to the young guys that are already pretty good. And then you lock up Bobby Wood Jr. last Monday to the nine-figure contract that, you know, helps obviously the team, but also just gets fans excited. Like, we have a young guy that's actually going to stick around for longer than his six cost control years. And now you have, now spring training's right there. You know, you're coming off of the, you know, the Super Bowl, so you already have fans that are fans of both teams. You got excited about that. You jump right into baseball season. Um, there's a lot to be excited about right now. It's awesome. Yeah, being able to, I mean, we have like four days of no, like not much sports content. And I mean, college basketball is going on, but who cares? Um, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> John, NBA, how dare hey, you? I don't want to talk talking about. I don't want to hear any better rebuttal or against Mizzou Tigers because uh, football <laughs> season, we ruined your asses. So I don't want to hear it. But just saying, this. We are spoiled not only to be part of this uh, Kansas City Chiefs timeline, but uh, to be able to roll Super Bowl appearances and wins right into spring, spring training within a week is is absolutely massive uh, to our fandom. A um, couple of things that I wanted to talk about on this schedule was the 317, the spring breakout game mm-hmm. uh, against the Brewers, which is an awesome exhibition game. It's, it's basically each team 
has to roll out a starting lineup and a roster of just prospects, like the top prospects to play each other, it's going to be really, really cool, I think. And I, I, I know the Royal system doesn't get a lot of love nationally, but I think we've seen plenty of rumors. And I think we were one of those, some of the first ones to talk about how deep that this system could be mm-hmm. with good, but not great talent. So it'll be kind of cool to see those, I guess, those kind of like fantasy rosters kind of light up with those spring breakout games. I'm really pumped to see that. And then the exhibition game uh, against the Royals, the Royals in the Northwest Arkansas Naturals on the 25th of March is also very exciting for us. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Joel, do you have anything else on the uh, schedule? I'm just excited to watch baseball again. Uh, I love. I know that some people don't watch spring training because... Like, why? Just look at the box scores. Like, it's not like the games don't count any of that, but for nerds like us, it's cool to watch Bobby Wood Jr. get a couple at bats. And then you'll see all these young guys come in, that, you know, are wearing numbers like 86, and they get a, you know, they get their little cup of coffee in big league camp. Uh, so, those first couple of weeks are really cool to see all the roster turnover, all the prospects that get an opportunity. It obviously pairs down as you get further along. But those early days of camp, I think, are some of the most fun baseball to watch because it's guys either fighting for a potential roster spot in the big leagues or it's guys trying to prove their mettle and like, hey, I can help the big leagues this year sometime or I deserve, I shouldn't start the year in Quad Cities. I should start in Northwest Arkansas. You know, it's those types of things that can help, you know, roster construction, you know, throughout the year. Yep. Lots of guys who are not on the roster that are non-roster invitees. And actually, we're going to talk about that here in a second right after the quick break. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We're back. Welcome back into One Royal Way. Jordan Foot, Joel Penfield, Josh Kaiser here. Talked to Royal Stadium, talked some Super Bowl, talked a little bit of spring training. I am going to rattle off, hopefully in like 40 seconds or less, the 23 non-roster invitees for spring training. We're going to start with pitchers. Dan Altavilla, Mason Barnett. Louis Sessa, Christian Chamberlain, Chandler Champlain, Austin Cox, Tyler Duffy, Sam Long, Walter Pennington, and Beck Way. Catchers, Tyler Crapley, Rodolfo Duran, Carter Jensen, Logan Porter, Luca Tresh. Infielders, CJ Alexander, Mike Brousseau, Cam Devaney, Devin Mann, Tyler Tolbert. Outfielders, Nate Eaton, Diego Hernandez, John Rave. That was actually not that bad. Not as long of a list yeah. as I thought. Well done. I just wanted everyone to have that in one place. I have a list of uh, one, two, three, four guys that stand out to me, but I want to kick it to you guys first. Josh, do you have a, a similar kind of setup, or do you just want to pick and choose a, a couple guys? Um, I've got four, like I guess, positional groups that I'm interested sure. in, and a couple guys in those. Um, I can start with like Sandy Leon versus Logan Porter is like the third catcher. Uh, Sandy Leon is kind of like the veteran that you know the bat's not really been huge, but he is a solid veteran presence with good defensive metrics. Um, Logan Porter has always been a good. He had a cup of tea there at the end of last year. It hit really well. Um, great story, and it was kind of a surprise that they DFA'd him to make room for some yeah. of these free agents. So I'm curious to see what happens. There's no third catcher on the 40 man roster right now, so I think it's probably going to go with one of those guys. Um, but we'll see about that. Um, Nick Prado versus CJ Alexander versus Devin Mann for the you got to figure it out. We really need you to make impressions this year. Tier. <laughs> I, I I've been. I mean, Nick Prado has the pedigree. CJ Alexander. I kind of like some of his metrics that I've found in, uh, from last year. He does strike out a ton, but the power is there. And Devin Devin Mann kind of has a little bit of everything, but you just kind of wonder where it translates uh, with him. Uh, Diego Hernandez got hurt like the first inning of last spring training and then got DFA'd off of the the, the roster this offseason to make room. So curious to see what his uh, situation is. And then the three, Altavia, Luis Ceza, and Tyler Duffy are interesting. They all had major league success. Let's see if they can rebound. And then the dark horse. I, I, I don't know how much we've talked about him, but Walter Pennington, I kind of like what he did metrics-wise last year in Omaha. He's kind of interesting, not super flashy, but solid. So I'm kind of curious to see if he could be a dark horse to kind of make an impression and uh, get into the conversation a little bit more. So that's all That's all I've got on those. So I'm going to kind of take it from the angle of guys that weren't included on this that I found to be interesting. Um, oh. 
And especially, like, you look at some of these guys, they're like other teams, when you look at their non-roster values, a lot of times it's top prospects. Now, guys are like an A-ball, but it's just like, hey, we're going to bring you up for a couple of weeks and, you know, prove yourself against some big leaguers or fringe guys. No Frank Masicato, no Ben Kuderna, no Gavin Cross, no Caden Wallace, uh, you know, not even, uh, you know, anybody from this most recent class, obviously. But I just find it interesting that they're not even going to give those guys an opportunity for just like even a couple of games before sitting them to minor league camp. This feels like, I don't know, I just strike it as odd considering other teams usually take that opportunity to at least give those guys a shot for uh, like a week or two before sending them back down. I didn't even think about that. That's a pretty good point. But I, 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 like look at, I guess you could take some guys angle. in this most recent class like Spencer Nibbins, Jared Dickey, David Sandlin, yeah. who didn't yeah. get a ton of time at the end of last year. Noah Cameron didn't get Rock an Ford. opportunity. I was going to say Rock Ford was the one. Yeah, Lender Avila, um, Henry Williams, you know, even like so two older guys. Like, I would have just liked to see them give those guys a little bit of a chance. It's a non-roster invite for a reason. And I don't think you're limited to a certain amount mm-hmm. that you can bring, at least to my knowledge. So why not give 35 dudes a chance, at least early, and then the youngest dudes, hey, look, we gave you a couple innings on a big league mound in the fourth inning. Good for you. You got a couple strikeouts. Go back to the backfields for a little bit. Like it, it can be something like that. Like I it's just it's not like it's a waste. It's not like it's a huge criticism. I just would prefer to see some of the at least a lot more young guys early. Well, and you mentioned a waste. Josh, do you have something? Oh, so did they did they I remember that was an issue. Do they pay them for spring training? I don't know. I, I know. Don't know. I know that they just, I know that the PA for the minor league guys just renegotiated. Yeah. Was it like part of the, they're part of the CBA, but I don't know if that ever got included. Maybe, maybe that's a consideration that they, but they don't want to take any money from them just to kind of get there for that's like, fair. That's fair. So the MLB PA, this was in 2020, um, will provide financial assistance to players on non roster invitations to spring training camps. So that obviously was four okay. years ago, would assume that. Things are in a favorable spot now, but and they have housing that, at the facility. Sure. Now, yeah, yeah. In surprise, yeah. So maybe that's I mean, just a thought, but yeah, I think your angle is really good, Joel. Well, and you mentioned um, it's not a waste of the Royals' time; it's also not a waste of those guys' time. Like it, it's, exactly, it seems like if I was a guy that not even was on the cusp of getting to the bigs, because like those guys are obviously getting you know a chance usually, but a player that just wanted that experience. I feel like it's almost invaluable to clear that. Even if you don't have the mental hurdle, like to say, Oh, I did that. I was with these guys. Like it's a very, very, very small taste of what it's like to be in the bigs, obviously an entire different thing. The, the rosters are different. The competition's different, but that environment, I feel like even if it is for a couple innings, like you said, you pitch in two games and then you're done. It it seems like it would help. Um, at least a little bit. So I, I like that. Have, point. Well, yeah, and you have the angle too of for some of these guys, like the the my, the major and minor league camps don't really interact. Yes, that the back mm-hmm. the guys that are on the backfields that are in a ball getting their reps. Occasionally, a big leaguer will go over there get some reps in. You know, just after like after they're at bat in the spring training game. But for like a Mazzucato, just think it will be pretty invaluable to go and sing yes. Reagan's for a couple yes. of weeks. And for Ben Cooter to go sit with Seth Lugo and Michael Walker and, mm-hmm. and just talk shop and 
be able to kind of be a sponge for a little bit for some of these young guys, be around the big league veterans, understand what it's like to be in a big league locker room for just a couple of weeks, get that little taste to help drive them into the, into the season. It's like take your child to work day, except for oh, guys yes. that are like within 10 years of age, if not like five and also not their um, dependents. But anyway, <laughs> I had a list of four. Um, that was like one of the top transitions slash uh, not irresponsible points. Ever. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Josh, you mentioned Sessa. He is on my list. He was offered a minor league deal back in, I think it was like November, mid-November. Yeah. Um, 32 in April. He was not good in 2023. He was also like stretched back out as a starter, which is something I was like, okay, well, didn't do that for a while. Um, kind of spot started early in his career. He is intriguing because from 2018 to 2022, he pitched almost 300 innings. He had a four ERA. He was worth like one and a half, two wins. Like just a serviceable guy where he isn't going to be staying with the team all year, I would guess. But hey, man, come help us out for a little bit. We're in a pinch. We're in the middle of the season. We we just need a freaking arm. And the Royals have a lot of guys like that, but he fits that profile. Um, Chandler Champlain, the number 11 prospect in the most recent pipeline rankings, um, 274 ERA in 62 innings. Joel, that's a, a good cop in the uh, in the private chat there. You want to mention that? Yes. Yeah, like just talking about Sessa, when you talk about it's like a guy that can hang in AAA and it's like, we need an arm. Please help. help for like yeah. two weeks, like Mike Mayers did last yeah. year. We will yeah. always have the Mike Mayers six inning perfect game. We will always have that. <laughs> um, that I just wanted to bring that up because that's a, a perfect kind of situational, and that stuff happens in the bigs. You don't even have to be great. Like we just need someone right now who's ready, who has a little bit of experience, or can offer something. Um, guys that don't have the big league component, Champlain and Barnett, um, number eleven and twelve back to back in the pipeline rankings. Champlain was just really good. At high A, went up to double A, still looked pretty impressive. His FIP is like over five, but the ERA was pretty solid. 64 strikeouts, 25 walks. Barnett was the pitcher of the year. Really, really, really good. He cut strike, he cut walks down, increased strikeouts with the jump from high A to double A. I really, really like what he brings to the table. He just turned 23 in November, so still very young. And then Carter Jensen, uh, 2021 third round pick. He's number seven on the pipeline rankings, 18.5% walk rate at high A in 2023, which is just ridiculous. 109 weighted runs created plus 11 home runs, 11 stolen bags, and he doesn't turn 21 until July. So another young player that kind of trends more towards the thing Joel was talking about earlier, obviously a different uh, draft class than the more more recent guys, but still incredibly young, incredibly raw, but also you know, a, a pretty advanced approach for a, a guy his age. Yeah, one of the guys you mentioned there were Champlain. I kind of thought that they might protect him for the Rule 5 this year. Yep. And then I started digging a little bit further into his numbers last year. And anyone want to guess what his zone percentage was at Omaha? Uh, we talked about this, didn't we? And I think we were both like dead wrong on... I'm not going to cheat and pull up your fantastic database here but like, i think i even might have sent a message it was like holy shit lol or something like that <laughs> it was like percentage in the zone probably like 40 to 45 percent 38.9 that's what it was um, yeah the five lowest zone ratings in omaha last year taylor hearn not in the org brad keller not on the org dylan coleman not on the org josh thomas 
not on the org. Christian Chamberlain, the lone guy in that bottom five for zone percentage. You got the stuff. It's there. Yeah, he's got to he's got to command that man. Yeah, I I hate like AAA pitching data. Not that not that's not to discredit what you put together. He basically yeah. told you to screw off. He's, he's like, I hate you see what I did. <laughs> not that poor choice of words, but just like the way that ABS has kind of jacked things up a little bit because it is so different, just like ballpark to ballpark. Now, like I don't know what to take away from it. That I'd almost rather just see dudes sit in double A where you don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Well, a 38.9% zone rating with his was like 22% walk rate. Yeah, it's not helpful. But yeah, it, it's I, not I, so, well, like I also <laughs> like, yeah, we're a little line graph. Right? It's not great. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to discount the struggle. No, no, no. I'm also you're fine, like, you're how many of those are pitches that are on the corner that are like sure. Yeah. Right there. But instead of the system being perfect, it's off by two and a half inches. And, mm-hmm. you know, then you have those types of mistakes because that's kind of how the way it was throughout AAA. That's not exclusive to Omaha. I had a buddy that pitched in Lehigh Valley that said, no matter what. I think you told through, us about it. It was a little bit different every single mm-hmm. time. Yeah. The Royals did reach pre arbitration deals with uh, like nine players Jonathan Boland, Stephen Cruz, Cole Reagans, the list goes on and on. Nick Lofton, Drew Waters, uh, Nelson Velasquez on Helzerpa, a couple more guys. The estimated cost of that's like just under $7 million. It doesn't really factor in to a bunch. It's just something that happens. Um, the projected opening day payroll, I went on a few different sites. Um, Cots contract was one, Spot Track was one, Fangraphs was one of them. Between 110 and 115, that's about 20th in baseball. People are going to hear that and say, oh my God, the Royals aren't spending. What the heck? And it's also obviously after the offseason they just had, there, there's no bones to pick with that. And this wasn't something that was really a big negotiation point or like they're going to hit the free agent market. But coming to terms with players is coming to terms with players either way. And that payroll includes $10 million to Hunter Dozier. So, yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and then however you want to talk about the Jordan and Miles he, contract, he, it, it, Jordan yeah. Miles and Dozier together are like $18.5 million. But Hunter Dozier got a minor league deal somewhere, right? Oh, with the Angels. You gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Angels. yeah. Him and Mike Trout are going to tear up the uh, the division this year. There. Who's playing third base with them? Hold on. I got, I got to look at oh, this. Christ. Just um, see if he actually makes the opening day roster. Hold on. Oh, and wait, it's Rendon, so he might because Rendon might get hurt or just yeah. stop playing baseball. Yeah, that's tough. So that's honestly not a bad spot for him. Yeah, because yeah, Ren- yeah, Rendon, who hates baseball anyway, so he might just have off somewhere. <laughs> um, and then Nolan Chanul, who's their, who was their first-round pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, playing first and third base outfield, obviously Trout, Mickey Moniak, and Taylor Ward. Their projected bench does not include him. It's not a very inspiring group. <laughs> no, it's not. Like if he was going to no. pick a spot, it'd be it'd be a yeah. He's a bro. He's a non-roster invite. It's not even like a forty-man deal. Yikes. Okay, sorry. Carry um, on. I mean, that's a good segue kind of position battle and depth chart and, and stuff like that. Um, let's go over some position battles to watch in spring training, and we'll go kind of. Around the horn here, we'll go Josh, then me, then Joel, then restart that for um, our next kind of segment here. But Josh, you have an interesting one that I I went in and looked at all the names and like also the positional versatility of some infielders that could go to the outfield. And 
The corner outfield is is effing stacked. It, well, it's I don't know. Stacked might be a bit strong. Sta- it's <laughs> stacked is in log jam, not stacked is it. Oh man, like this is gonna be yeah. a really good corner outfield. Like just a lot of names that I don't know what to do with. Our old pal Alex Duvall used to call it a glutton. Of, yes, uh, of, that, that's much not, better. It's not stacked. like it's not stacked. It's not strong, but it does have a lot of people there. But yeah, the corner outfield. I'm very interested in how that's going to play out over the course of this season. Um, I think Nelly, I think Renfro, and I think MJ are solid locks for the opening day roster. That kind of leaves like Dyron Blanco, Drew Waters, and Tyler Gentry. I think one of those guys will get a, get the spot on opening day roster, but we'll kind of see about that. But I kind of want to spotlight a couple of these things, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. The first one's MJ Melendez. I'm curious to see if they decide to platoon him uh, with Renfro and with Nelly Velasquez here. So uh, his career WRC plus versus left-handed pitching is a 58. Real, real bad. But it's only 103 against righty. So it's not great. And I don't know if they're going to be eventually like giving up on him as an everyday player at this point or not. But uh, the other interesting thing here is so we all know that he had a pretty strong second half resurgence last year, right? An 836 OPS in the second half. He had a 152 WRC plus against right-handed pitching with a 944 OPS. What do you think his WRC plus was against left-handed pitching during his resurgence second half last season? 69. Jordan? 80? 10. Fuck. What, 10? It was a 10 WRC not, plus. Not one OPS. 10, 10. His o- yes. His OPS was a 436. So he was really good in the second half of the season last year, and it was still not against left-handed pitching. So I think there's a strong case to be made that, and I think this might be the real reason why they brought Hunter Rimfro in, was to be a platoon partner with MJ Melendez. Him and Nelson Velazquez, Tyler Gentry could potentially be in that mix too. But I think you kind of... Go ahead. I'm sorry, what's the other side of the platoon with Renfro? So Renfro has a career WRC plus of 128 against lefties. Nelson Velazquez, short sample size, but he's a 102. So if we're talking, you know, you're able to... if. If Renfro is who he is, and if Nelson Velasquez is who he was, that could be a pretty healthy platoon. And you're still getting MJ Melendez plenty of reps if he's only seeing righties all year. If he's yeah. sitting during most lefties, yeah. that's still plenty of ABs. But so, if doesn't that decrease some of like if you want MJ Melendez to be this star level or like really good borderline every day, like and, I, and maybe he improves on defense and this makes it a moot point, but. If he continues to be bad on defense and like also has to be reduced to a platoon, even if it is still, you know, somewhat majority or whatever, I don't know what he's bringing you, man. Like he's bringing you obviously one side of the platoon. He's playing regularly somewhat, um, but not as regularly as he would be not living up to the potential. You, you could have fixed that with the trades. Like I, I totally wholeheartedly agree that assuming that that is a plan, that it should be the plan. However, that could have been avoided if they were like, this dude ain't it. We have to platoon him. Let's swap him to somebody else. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, given the Rays influence that Quattrero and Hoover have, they hammer the shit out of platoons in Tampa. 
Like mm-hmm. that's what they do. That's how they yeah. maximize their roster. With guy and obviously Hunter Renfro spent some time uh, was on the World Series team in 2020. I wonder if last year they did because I to my like maybe I'm misremembering. I don't think they did a ton of that. They didn't do a ton of platoons last year. It was the it was, it was the uh, assessment year, about, so you got to throw them out there to see if they are. So they threw them out there. Yep. So I think maybe this could be the year where they go. Okay, MJ's not playing against lefties anymore. Like we're you're going to go out, you're going to hammer the shit out of righties for 450 plate appearances, and then Renfro still gets pretty close to everyday run because mm-hmm. you brought him in for that purpose more than likely. And on those days, Hunter's Henner, you're playing left today. Then you're going to play go go play right when MJ's in with a righty. Like it's going to be stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think we see now that you mentioned that the platoon thing. I didn't think about it until That's now. A really good point. They yeah. didn't do a ton of it last year, to my knowledge. If anybody listening thinks they did or thinks I'm full of shit, then please tell me. But I think we might see more of that this year, and maybe that maximizes and elevates the floor of the roster more, kind of like they did with the free agent thing, like bringing in Adam Frazier. Maybe that elevates the floor a little bit in a platoon with a you know a righty platoon, something like that. Something to something to follow for sure, especially with spring training come right around the corner. We'll see this more in action in games. I did look to see if they did start doing that, and that's kind of what caused MJ's numbers to look a lot better in the second half. No, they played. They trotted him out against plenty of left. He had like the second or third most appearances against lefties last uh, second half. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. As you speak about these free agents they brought in, they brought those guys in to start lighting flames and to go. That's what yep. the idea was. It's time to go. So they're not going to wait around for another year of ass- assessing MJ Melendez's progress, I don't think, or Daniel Lynch's or Chris Bubich or any of these guys that they've been waiting on blossoming. Like yep. they've been saying it for two years that it's time for these guys to figure it out. And I think they actually did it when they assigned, albeit not very sexy uh, free agents, but uh, but they still did bring someone in to kind of well, apply some pressure. So I think that's good. The other ones in there, I think the Drew Waters and Tyler Gentry angles are very interesting. I think it's a big deal. And I think Drew Waters has the most to lose in this corner outfield in the spring training. I think Tyler Gentry has the most to gain with a strong spring training. So I was kind of looking in a little bit of there. I still think Waters has a very high ceiling. He's got the glove. He's got he's plenty of speed is, is is there. The bat just is not there. The approach is not there. And that ate him up in the majors. Um, they were pretty comparable in Omaha in a short sample size for Drew Waters. But Tyler Gentry's metrics, I've kind of been going through the game logs of the baseball savants for the hitters. Tyler Gentry's chase percentage is 22%. His average exit velocity is 88% or 88 miles per hour. I'm not up to the all-star break. And then he really started taking off. His numbers really started showing after the all-star break. So I'm curious to see what happens to those numbers, but I think Tyler Gentry could absolutely make a case for potentially breaking camp with this uh, with this team, if not making his debut by the end of the year. I for sure think he's going to make his debut. I don't know if he breaks camp, unless he hits. Yeah. like Unless he goes nuclear in spring training, I, I think he'll start in a while. Agreed. Because he's still got to leave Prague Blanco, too. Yes, that too. Yeah. I, got, I hate that we keep forgetting about Darren Blanco. Like, yep. part of me really hates it because he was pretty decent last year like yes he does not get enough credit because i think if he was 25 instead of 30 i think we'd be having a different conversation a certain somebody would be sure to tell you about that on on the instant (laughs) 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 yep they are not uh yeah yeah no i i like it i mean yeah go ahead josh 
I just say Blanco could absolutely be valuable as that fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder, you know, yeah. defensive replacement, a pinch runner. Um, and they could need that with those holes in the mitts out there in that in both corner outfields, especially. But I, I just don't know if that is a luxury that the Royals don't need to afford at right now. And he is the only one that can still like refuse a, an assignment, even if it is, he does have options. He is above 30 years old, so I think he can't refuse any kind of option. And he could be lost if they don't. So I could see them carrying Dyron Blanco on that open need roster just to have flexibility and have that, you know, mm-hmm. to, as a solid value. Without looking, what do you think Dyron Blanco's WRC plus was last year? Mm, 113. 106. 108. But I, I was testing Yeah, like I would honestly, I was shocked looking at that number. I was like, because I remember him being decent, but when I said decent, I was like, yeah, probably around like 85. No, he was, yeah. he was legitimately yeah, productive. Legitimately yeah. decent with an OPS around 7, 770. Like, mm-hmm. Didn't he tie Kyle Isbell for the most F4 in the outfield? Yeah, 1.1, I think. F4 both. in 69 games. Yeah. Nice. I mean, right. literally, yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, the only comment I have on the outfield is like, there's a small hint of Canarius Tony. And Drew Waters, and obviously, say Canaries Tony. I, I don't mean you know the the off the field gonna accuse the Royals of saying that he was hurt, all that stuff. But like you can see it in a very small sample. You're like, man, that guy can do this stuff, but a is he gonna be healthy consistently enough for this to work? B can we get him involved consistently enough for it to work? And C, do all of his skills max out the way we want them to? Drew Waters is a good athlete, but the defense never truly translated to what it should have been. Although. It did translate fine. Um, the power, everyone said, oh man, you know, he can grow into this. And then, then kind of, he had a couple weeks stretch where he does this. It's a very inconsistent player and he's still young enough to where it's not absolute red flag time. But like if he struggles in the spring training and then falls out of favor with the team early on, then it is going to be red flag time. So that really, you guys know, I've always been kind of a, not a Drew Waters apologist, but like I can't quit him. For some reason, yeah, I always take a chance to to follow at least what he does. Um, a guy that, admittedly, I've probably been too tough on and probably have quit on too early um, is Michael Massey. And Joel has been very consistent and bringing good data about how his expected numbers so much better uh, compared to like league average. He got so unlucky last season. The expected batting average was like 31 points higher. Um, the, the actual batting average, the slugging percentage was way higher than the actual one. He slashed 229, 274, 381, 15 home runs last year, Um, 73 weighted runs created. Plus, he got going after a slow start, kind of. Um, he's just the guy that isn't going to walk a ton, also isn't going to strike out a ton. Like, it was 21.5%. Like, it's yeah, mostly it's totally manageable. manageable. Yeah, 261 BABIP. So, he did get unlucky by... You can pick pretty much any stat. Um, really solid defender, 82nd percentile, outs above average. He flashed kind of that uh, minor league pedigree that everyone said he's going to be a really good one at second base and can pick it. Um, really some data that I found with him. I don't want to turn into too much of a nerd here. I'm just basic baseball savant stuff. But 2023 against four-seam fastballs batted 197. In 2022, that was 343. Um, the hard hit difference was over 7% year to year. 
2023 against sliders. He had a minus five run value, just got absolutely wrecked against them. The put away percentage was way up. The expected batting average was 50 points higher than the actual batting average. His contact rate was up 9% last year in the zone, and it was up 6% overall 2022 to 23. So there is a path to not just Michael Massey making small improvements to his approach and stuff like that and his profile continuing to hit the ball, you know, decently hard, have a little bit of pop, but just get luckier. And maybe if he starts Mm -hmm. hot, that parlays into a good season. The problem, though, it's kind of a double-edged sword, at least from where I'm standing. He's going to be the clubhouse leader for the job, and he should be the clubhouse leader for the job, but the Royals went out and got Garrett Hampson, good speed, good versatility. They have Nick Lofton, who outperformed his expected data, like really need to see a lot more before kind of taking an opinion one way or another, at least personally on him. And then Adam Frazier they brought in, who I don't really have much expectation for. He wasn't very good last year, um, not very good the year before, but 2021 or whenever, minus two, you you get the math. Mm-hmm. Um, 32 years old, I, I don't expect him to have like a mini resurgence but if you consider second base a position battle I think there's an argument to be made that it's Massey's job but if he does struggle if the red flags do pop up the Royals have people in place to where they don't have to stick with them all season long I guess it's how you do it I think people need to contextualize some of the spring training stuff too like guys are going to get 10 at bats in the first five games so if you see that a guy's one for 10, it's not, it's a, not a big point. deal. Yeah. It's a matter of contextualizing those at bats with the results, right? Mm-hmm. If, if Massey is lined out to, to the outfield in five of those, and he's seen six or seven pitches in those at bats, it's not like the, it, if you want a box score watch, sure, he was bad. But if you yeah. watch the at bats and you see, hey, he spit on that slide, that slider down and in that ate him up last year. He didn't yeah. chase that fastball at his chin that he did all of that. The process matters a shit ton. Yes, I th- to, yeah, so no. I think that's what it is more is the process of how they go about some of these things more than just the raw data and the results itself. So mm-hmm. just something to watch out for. And again, I'm going to defend Massey to the end because I think he is a good ball player and a guy that can be the everyday second baseman for the Royals moving forward. Um, but, you know, I'll call spade a spade. If he, if he struggles like he did at the beginning of last season, you have to make a move. And that's why you have the veterans at Hampson and Brazier in there to, to kind of push him a little bit. And we'll see how it goes. Uh, prepare your bodies when he goes eight for his first 10, where he swings at the first pit fastball. And Again, he and he's fixed. Prepare and he's fixed. your bodies because yeah. okay. I'm going to get if real obnoxious okay. about him. So if, he's, <laughs> so if he's eight for 10 with five bloop singles and a bunch of like doinkers, <laughs> Again, hey, that OBP baby is way that, that'll play. If he hits eight, if he's eight for ten with five line drives for extra base hits and three home runs, we're having a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep, yeah. Team MVP. That, that's too nuanced for a podcast, Joel or Twitter. Wait, you, you know where I keep those opinions to? Oh, damn it! I know. Yeah, you bring that here. here. What the hell? You can't have nuanced opinions. It must be black <laughs> and white hot takes. Yes. Podcast one hundred and one. Yes. All right, Joe, what do you got for your... Uh, so my position battle, it's going to be for that fifth rotation spot. I think we have four absolutely locked in with Reagans, Lugo, Waka, Singer. In any order. I think that's going to be your top four. Now you have your fifth. Jordan Lyles, Daniel Lynch, Alec Marsh, I think are probably your options there for that fifth spot. 
And then it may even extend into the season with Chris Bubich coming back. Mm-hmm. So at least in the early on, I'll leave Bubich out of it for now. So I'll stick with Lyles, Sarah Lynch, and Marsh. Marsh was tinkering with stuff all season. And like credit to him for not like kind of having the, I'm not going to, I'll say it, the Brady Singer mentality of I'm going to stick with what got me here because what got me here is what's going to work. And it's like, nah, not really. So maybe he found some stuff this offseason. I haven't seen a ton of stuff about what he's done this offseason, so I'm really excited. He didn't go to like a big place like Tread or anything like that. Uh, at least to my knowledge, I haven't seen him post a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I'll be curious what other tinkering and what he's found this offseason. If he's been able to work his arsenal to a, what he feels is more manageable, he has the stuff to be a starter, I think, and the mentality to be a starter. If not, I think he has the potential to be a decent reliever, uh, you know, and kind of a low-leverage, multi-inning type guy, an opener type perhaps. Jordan Lyles is probably going to have the inside track here because just pedigree of being a big leaguer for a long time, but a near 70 RA last year kind of speaks for itself. I know that some of the expected stats and the FIP are like, hey, he might come back to earth a little bit and be a little more viable. I'll believe that when I see it. I'm, I'm not going to completely buy into that until I've seen three or four starts, uh, either in spring training or in the regular season before I believe Jordan Lyles is not bad. And then Daniel Lynch. I know some people don't want to quit that guy because they felt like he was probably the best guy of that group. Guilty. I'm ske- I'm skeptical. Oh, guilty guilty as well. Actually, no, I thought Jackson Kowar would be. Dumbass. Um, guilty. <laughs> <laughs> But I still thought very highly of Daniel Lynch, and I still think there is a very good big league pitcher in there. Uh, and I wonder if the pressure and the expectation of, hey, you're our fifth starter this year, not our third. Maybe that helps fix some things. I know he's been working on some arsenal changes as well. They talked about some of that last year. If he's able to kind of just put it all together and be healthy. He was hurt at the beginning of spring training last year, so we didn't get to see him until later working off the injury, and then it's kind of thrown into the fire of the big leagues, and it just it wasn't great. And then he got hurt at the end of last year, too. So there's health concerns, but if he's able to stay healthy, he can very easily push Jordan Lyles for that fifth spot and push Lyles to the bullpen. If not, then Daniel Lynch probably ends up in the bullpen. Or I is Daniel Lynch out of options? I think he's got one left. He's got one left. I think. If he does, if Lyles gets that fifth spot, Daniel Lynch is going to start the year in Omaha. And then at that he's point, got, what do you have in the guy? Like, I don't know. Okay. He's got how many? Yeah. <laughs> so at least one. He's only got at least one. And I guess you could, I guess now that I'm thinking about it too, you could kind of throw on Zerpa in that mix too. I don't know if they make it. I was going to read my point. Yep. Yeah. Like, they, I, he was a guy that I kind of forgot about just because he was so up and down and hurt last year that I just, I don't know. But I still think very highly of Zerpa too. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Again, like a bulldog bit starter that you know can go out there and at least be viable, give you two turns, you know, through the through the lineup and then hand it over to the bullpen. I think that's all you want out of your fifth right now. And mm-hmm. I think there's I think the expectation change for Lyles too is hey, you're not our second or third starter this year. You're our fifth. Go out there, eat innings, take the shellacking that you did if you need to last year to give our bullpen a break, and we'll turn it back over to Reagan's on win day and we're good. They gotta be good innings, baby. Just give me some innings, damn it. Like yes. earlier, that's going to be the vibe this year. Like they don't have to be good innings, but man, we have good innings allocated elsewhere. Come up here, you know, that's the show. It doesn't thing. matter. <laughs> just you if, know, if, 
if Jordan Lyles got shelled last year, it was, oh, God, we got to turn it over to Chris Bubin or to Daniel Lynch now. Oh, mm-hmm. God. And now we got to turn it over to Brady Singer, who's a, who turned into a pumpkin a little bit. Oh, God. And then like it, it was a dis- And then and now we got 39 year old Zach Greinke in Minnesota. Oh, God, he can't pitch out of the K. This is bad. Like, it, and it just. We're, we're at the K sometimes, but. You know. it, was, it was at least better at the K. I'll oh, wait, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna slander a Hall of Famer here. Like let's at the at the very end. Like I'll leave it at that. Yep, and we might uh, visit that a little bit more in our next segment. But yeah, I think that's basically the same argument. It was this is, uh, do like Zerpa? I think the Royals like Zerpa, so I think he's gonna get a shot too. But I, yeah, at this point, uh, Lyle's definitely got the inside track on that fifth spot. I think. Yep, I agree. Um, elevator pitches for favorite offseason moves so far. Josh, you have Seth Lugo, and I bet you have some good data to back it up. I have some data. We'll we'll see how the goodness of that is. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Seth Lugo signing three years, $45 million. He has a playoff player option after the 2025 season. Um, playoff option would be pretty cool, you know? Yeah, playoff option. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> to opt out of the playoffs just to piss everybody up. Uh, the. So I saw there was a Cardinals uh, blogger or reporter or something that was talking about how many times they had consecutive days where the starter pitcher, starting pitcher only went five innings or less. And yeah, it was yeah. a lot. So I just wanted to see how how much that happened with the Royals last year because it just didn't seem like they got any. That's why Lyles kept getting shellacked, I feel like. But they had... 43 different times last year they had consecutive days where the starter did not go more than five innings in a start. 43. That is a thir- that is a fourth of the games, and that is absolutely going to put strain on literally every other aspect in that locker room, with the coaching, with the bullpen, with the lineup, everybody. So they had three different stretches where they went five consecutive days where the starter did not go five innings or more. So I... I I love the Lugo signing because he went, I think it was 18 of his 26 starts last year were five and a third or more. Uh, So that's going to add quality innings, hopefully, to this rotation that is going to take the pressure off of the other guys. The singer doesn't have to be perfect. Reagan's doesn't have to be healthy. Uh, Lyles doesn't have to pitch eight innings no matter what. The bullpen doesn't have to prove it, but also be consistent, but also hold leads, but also keep them in games. The lineup doesn't have to uh, uh, take on any extra pressure to win games with the starter actually keeping them in the game. So being able to bring Seth Lugo in here as a solid anchor along with Michael Waka to be able to extend hopefully competitive innings into deeper into the games is only going to benefit that win column, I think. Joel, you got anything on Lugo? No, I'm excited to see what he can do. and I think this is his... Well, it's his second consecutive year as a full starter. So, you know, curious to see how he continues to build on that role. He was a reliever for so long that, uh, you know, it's just a different mentality. And he did really well in San Diego last year, moving to a full-time starter. And then, it par- you know, parlayed it into a three-year deal. So, you know, I think that's a massive credit mm-hmm. to him there. So, lots of like. And I'm curious where he slots into the rotation, too. I know mm-hmm. we've talked about, it might be Lugo, it might be Walker, it might be Reagans on opening day. Uh, but I'll be curious how it all works out. I, I'm excited for Seth Lugo. He's the guy that I wanted last year, uh, not even as a, a starter. So the fact that we're able to get him as a starter now, when he's a little more established in that role, I think is a big deal. I might be lying here. I don't 
think this move is necessarily like at the top of my list, but in terms of intrigue, I think it definitely is. I'm getting Kyle Wright in the Jackson Coard trade with the Atlanta Braves. Um, missed all of 20 or will miss, sorry, all of 2024 after surgery. He turned 28 in October. So um, he'll be pitching in an ideal situation in 2025 when he is 29. Um, 2023, I'm, I hate to say it, I'm kind of throwing it out. He only pitched 31 innings. He wasn't very good. 2022 is the reference point here. He went 21 and 5. If pitcher wins is your thing, if you're an ERA person, 319. The FIP was good, 174 strikeouts to 53 walks. The whip was like 1.15, if I recall correctly. Good ground ball rate. Like, he was very good at limiting the ball in the air. Pitching run value was great. Breaking run value was great. Off-speed run value was great. The thing for him is going to be the four-seam fastball. Average 95 miles an hour in 22. Opponents hit 356 and slugged 584 against it, so... He has the the curveball, the knuckle curve, the sinker, um, the four-seamer change-up slider. That four-seam is going to be a very intriguing development once he's able to throw and get back on a plan. Interested to see what the Royals do with him, and he's under team control until after 2026. So they can realistically get a healthy, seemingly resurgent, attempting to be resurgent Kyle Wright in 2025. And if the rotation plans go as they hope, Maybe it's a no-pressure environment. Maybe he is the number five guy. Maybe he's a guy that gets slotted in and gets stretched back out to start the year, something like that. The upside with it is fantastic, and it costed a player that it just wasn't working out with. So I think that's a uh, sneaky short-term move, but I guess technically cheated and more of a long-term one. So I bet the rules in a couple different ways, but that is my pick. You you have been listening to the lab a lot because you keep Maddie answering stuff. I I try to take bits and pieces from all of them. I don't. I'm not great enough to be like Craig, so I, I'm still working out how to do that. And uh, we can we can say Craig is great because there's no damn way he's listening to this. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. We love. I think the other good thing about Wright is there's two more years of control, and they should be fairly affordable. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to get the arm. The arm numbers aren't going to be crazy, so oh. I think it works out nicely. I know it's I mean, a it's a win win. For Kowar, who who knows? I mean, maybe the Brave, I guess the Mariners now. Yeah, turn him into yeah. something. I'm actually but, very intrigued as a Mariners fan what the Mariners pitching lab is able to turn Kowar into. Yeah. If they legitimately turn that fastball into a sinker, it could be real interesting. And I also can't escape Colin Snyder because that guy's in Seattle now too. He's going to follow you wherever you go. <laughs> I can't escape. <laughs> I, I can't escape him, man. Um. So my favorite move that the Royals made was actually a couple, and they're all in the bullpen. Get signing Will Smith and Chris Stratton and then bringing in Nick Anderson via trade. When you look at the other guys there, I think when you look at the bullpen last year, a lot of guys in that bullpen, it, outside of Chapman and Barlow, bunch of young dudes. And you could tell, not that the moment was too big, but it was just, oh, God, we need some more dudes that are a little more ready for the moment than we because we can't give it to Chapman back-to-back days. And we can't give it to Barlow more than three days in a row. So after that, it obviously got really sketchy. And an eight-run eight game did not feel safe a lot of times. But having three established veterans in there with some good young pitchers in James MacArthur, John McMillan, Carl Hernandez, I still can consider young. He's 26, but he's only been in the big leagues for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then Steven Cruz and Matt Sal. I think yep. that is a very good bullpen. I think that is a perfectly viable bullpen for where the Royals are at. And having those established guys in there, 
to take some pressure off of the young dudes, at least early on in the season. So they're not having, so like Matt Sauer doesn't have to eat up an eighth inning if you don't need him to. Or Carlos Hernandez, if he pitched yesterday, doesn't have to take the ninth. Or James MacArthur, as comfy as he looked in that uh, closer role, he doesn't have to close if you don't need him to, if you don't think he's ready. Sure. You have Will Smith, you have Chris Stratton, you have Nick Anderson, who all have closing experience. I think it's massive for these guys to have those established guys in there. Take a little bit of pressure off and, and let them just go out there free and easy, let it, let it ride in the bullpen. And they got depth with big upside, like the Stephen Cruz. Huge like Jake Grince has got Will Klein is still stashed in that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. About and Chase then you still have, and, and then you still have one of Zerpa or right Reliables that can end up yeah. in the bullpen as well. Yeah, and they can be quality. And we talked about Marsh earlier. I think he's Marsh got too, three yeah. three quality pitches that he can rely on in that bullpen and be really really good if it plays up. So, I yeah, you're able to move those guys down on the depth chart allow them to become what they're going to become a little bit more and find out who that is. And I think it's a win-win scenario. It's a great one. Super, super briefly. Um, Austin Cox is on the non-roster invitee list. Does, That's interesting. does that kind of stand out? Because, like, didn't he tear his ACL? Like, ACL. like, it was late. Yeah. So, October, November, December, January, February. That That's five months, like... I don't know. Modern medicine, yeah, different athletes, different recovery times, yeah, but it wasn't did, a tight Bobby, They didn't reissue that. I don't know. Did, did Bobby Stroop do what he did? Get a hold of him. Get a <laughs> hold of him and turn all of his ligaments into adamantium or whatever like the yeah. thing is? Yeah. No clue. I, I just thought that was interesting, and then that could be potentially midseason another name to factor into the pitch. Yeah. Staff, but, yeah. Uh, he, was, he was decent last year. Yeah. Yep. No, 100%. Um, really quickly to get us out of here, I found a, a nugget of the week, and I think this would be something cool that we could start doing in future episodes, just something content-wise, whether we shout out someone else's content or something we read, something we saw nationally. Um, I saw Bally Sports Kansas City tweeted out. Will Smith did like a really quick little video. Um, I believe it was with Joel Goldberg on recruiting during the offseason. He like got off the phone with JJ Piccolo, called Chris Stratton that night, and said the quote was, come on, we can do something special here. And like that was kind of the vibe of the Royals getting guys who had pitched together, played together what, to what, want what, to springs. Yeah. Yeah. So for a guy like that who has reached the highest of the highs in major league baseball to come out, and obviously he's gonna say the Royals can do something special and say that they can do well, but like unless he's bullshitting, that is a very interesting little anecdote that um, he wanted people to come along with him. And I, if I was a free agent and, you know, I was coming to Kansas city from 2021 to 22 or 22 to 23, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, use this as a reference for a friend to come along with, but it really does seem like, uh, they kind of fostered that, that good environment with their free agency pitches. It was also interesting that Bobby Witt extension, uh, conference, they were talking sure. about how, when they were talking to those guys, that was the first thing that they kept asking about. I was like, what's the situation yeah. with Bobby Wood? And the fact that they were able to lock him up is just going, I mean, lock him up for a relatively you know, a fair amount of time is only going to bode well for this for this franchise as long as Bobby Wood turns into the superstar that he's on the break of doing. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Joel, do you have any final kind of stuff at all? Final thoughts? No, I think that's super interesting. I missed that. Uh, somewhere it, it was really it was like 7 30 like it was right before we came on i was like i'm gonna yeah. this down because i think it's no, I mean, that is that's a fascinating development um mm -hmm. 
Like, I don't think Will Smith would say something like that if he didn't believe it, considering he's been on so many winning baseball sure. teams his career away from the Royals. Like, he was on the, some Giants playoff teams. Obviously, he's won three World Series rings in a row with the Braves, the Astros, and then the Rangers. So that that is noteworthy, I think. I, I mean, noteworthy has been, like, my word of the offseason when yeah. it comes to, like, a bunch of different stuff. Because you don't have to buy stock into it fully. You're like, no. hell, I'll take right. care of that. Yeah, like I'll, I'll I'll see that, and then I'll I'll see where it goes. Uh, you know, in a couple months. Yeah, yeah. It allows me to take the information in without needing to spew out a hot take. <laughs> Podcasting one on one. I had one more final thought, and it's just the just the beauty of sports. Um, there was that that commercial yesterday during the Super Bowl, talking about, like, it was the dad that couldn't reach his non-football-watching mm. daughter, and since Taylor Swift's now involved, then they start to bond. I have a six-year-old girl that really, this was the first year that she's kind of gotten invested into it. Um, she's still, like, not completely, she's still trying to learn, but she's asking great questions, and I love it. Um, my wife was putting my son to bed down the stretch in overtime last night, and... I was like, because I'm not, I'm not get up and get prancy and sure. get crazy guy. But last night I was during the fourth quarter. And then we went to overtime. She's like, dad, I need to hold your hand for this. So I got oh, down and I sat on the floor and held her hand through the whole overtime, just super calm as a cucumber. And I, I it was just the beauty of sports, man, is bringing families together, bringing people together. That's why we love it, man. It's, it's, it was a great moment. It's awesome to, to share that with her and, I look forward to doing it with my son as well, but it was just one of those beautiful moments that I uh, just reminded me why we like sports. That's no, as as you guys can see over wrong shoulder, whatever it is, right there. I have, <laughs> well, I have corn dog from last Super Bowl, right there. Um, mm. Where should I put Tom and Jerry? Where where does that need to go? <laughs> you you got a little bit of real estate over your right shoulder or left, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or maybe slide. Yeah, I think it it's gonna go, I think it's gonna go down over there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So my son, I. I, my son is three and a half, but I, but he's started to show an interest in football. So I'm like, okay, you can stay up for the Super Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. About four minutes left in the game, he's like, Dad, I want to go to bed. I'm like, I'm not putting you to bed right now. That is not <laughs> happening. Like, <laughs> thankfully, my my daughter was asleep, so I held my daughter through the final drive of regulation. I am sore back here because I was so damn tense. That was not great. <laughs> um, but then I woke him up this morning. And actually, ironically enough, Tom and Jerry is his favorite cartoon to watch. Oh, that's so awesome. I told him, so I told him the play call was Tom and Jerry. And then we're driving to, I drove him to school today. And he, we drive by the local, like the high school in my town. And he sees the football field. And he's like, yeah, where are the players? I'm like, well, it's not football season anymore. The season ended last night. When the, the Super Bowl was over, he goes, "Oh yeah, the Chiefs won the championship on Tom and Jerry." I was like, "You're like yes, that's they great. Did. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> and he said that to his teacher the first thing he said when he saw her this morning. So, God, it was perfect. Just that. That's that good was stuff. Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. Sports are the best. Uh, we are going to be talking more about sports, specifically baseball. Hopefully, later this month, we are going to um, ideally up our programming frequency, get back to the regularly scheduled kind of podcast release uh, schedule that we have here. Um, we're going to tease some prospect rankings. I think we should do like a comprehensive kind of deep dive on that. Knowing us, it'll have to take like 10 episodes. 
Um, we're going to do a, a season predictions episode as well. So plenty of stuff happening between the start of spring training and the beginning of the regular season. We've got some cool projects and uh, potential coverage opportunities that we are stoked about. So we appreciate you guys uh, jumping on with me. We appreciate the listeners for tuning in and or watching on YouTube. And uh, we'll talk at you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.